G'day everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm Dale Kay and this is Dale Kay's Big Backyard. This week, um, I actually found some inspiration from a really, really old photo that was was given to me um, a couple of weeks ago. I, I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago. Um, the family was in Hawaii, the island of Oahu, and it's about halfway between Minnesota, where I live, and um, Adelaide, South Australia, where, where I'm from and where my father still lives. So we meet there every winter and kind of have like a little mini family reunion. My daughter was there, my son was there, my wife, and my father, Henry, uh, flew in, and he had just a whole gaggle of old, old photos. And there was one photo of me when I, I don't know, I must have been maybe five, six years old. And I'm sitting in a, a chair in his, in my, in my papa's backyard in, in Adelaide. And on this little bistro table is this huge, it was really a huge sweet potato. And I was looking at this photo, I'm wearing, wearing his old cap and uh, it must have been a little bit chilly out because I had like a, a tracksuit top on. And I was I was thinking, oh my gosh, number one is that that was a huge sweet potato. But I started to reflect on how I really got all my my everything that got me excited about gardening and got me interested in gardening was given to me by my grandfather. So it brought back a lot of nostalgia and it, it also kind of took me back to when my kids were younger as uh, as well and I tried to install in them you know nature and and gardening used to have them help uh, help me garden my my daughter Clara she's in Fargo uh, a shout out to a shout out to you Clara um she she she's been helping me with some of these podcasts and the other day she was like dad how come you haven't even mentioned me so there you go there's Clara and Clara probably has a little bit more of the greener thumb than my son, or she seems to be a little bit more active. She, well, she has a patio, um, a little deck terrace. Uh, my son doesn't, so that's probably part of it. But um, when the kids were young, I tried to do the same thing, you know, have them get involved in gardening and um, did different things with them uh, and the like. And it made me think, well, sometimes we often forget about kids or forget about installing some of that knowledge of, of how to garden. And getting kids excited in gardening only not only makes us feel good, but it also makes them feel good. It helps them appreciate nature, helps them get outdoors. A little bit of dirt under the fingernails never hurt anybody. But but most importantly, kids can really see um, the results at the end. There's not a lot of things that um, you can really sink your teeth into or really take time to nurture and then really have the satisfaction of harvest at the end. And I think that's super important. Yes, you know, yes, you're eating healthier and um, there's all those great benefits that come out of out of gardening as well. But I think it's really the reward and the satisfaction that, hey, I grew this. I I planted this from seed. I I weeded it. I, I fertilized it. I staked it. I harvested it. I, I helped my parents cook, um, cook this ingredient or this, this vegetable. So I think it's really... Um, really a joy and almost an obligation for all of us parents and even grandparents or 
anybody that's uh, involved with, with nurturing young minds to get them excited about gardening. So I have my essential kind of top um, easy to grow veggies with instant, you know, just that bam, that instant reward of bulletproof kind of gardening. And really, for the most part, you don't even really need a garden for for some of these things. So the number one thing on my list is, um, you know, my daughter, Clara, she loves mashed potatoes. My gosh, it seems like her obsession with mashed potatoes only grows as she gets older. But a lot of kids like, you know, fries. So um, potatoes are one of those super easy things to grow, um, relatively speaking, and uh, something that really just about every kid can connect to. And it's really the ultimate game of hide and seek when it comes to harvest time. So, um, and you really don't need a garden. You get a lot more potatoes if you do have a garden. But I've grown um, potatoes with my kids in in big pots, super easy. My son got some really kind of cool um, sea uh, sea potatoes. And actually, potatoes of course aren't seeds. We we call them sets or seed potatoes, but they're really just uh, the tubers. Um, that we're growing, we cut them up into fours, leave a couple of good eyes on them. That's, uh, you know, the sprouts, we call them eyes, leave that, leave those on there. That's, uh, that's really key. And then there's some, there's some mounding involved uh, as well. As the plant begins to develop, you kind of mound up the soil around them, around that plant. And uh, they're, you know, they're a solanum, they're in the same family as, you know, they're a nightshade, kind of in that same family as tomatoes. So they kind of grow super vigorous, you mount them up a little bit. And then of course, um, towards the end of summer, you have this ultimate game of hide and seek where you can get your hands down in the dirt and start to search and seek out these potatoes. So up in my neck of the woods in Minnesota, we're usually planting just after just after the Easter, after the Easter season or that holiday season, and then we're we're, we're planting then and we're harvesting, you know, in in August or late August into into September. So super fun, super easy, ultimate game of hide and seek. Potatoes probably probably my number one kids veggie to grow. Some other great ones that you can try. Another one with a little bit of longer lead time is a pumpkin or a, or a jack o' lantern pumpkin. Um, kind of another super rewarding um, plant for kids to grow and nurture that one pumpkin. You do need a little bit of space for these. You know, the, of course, the, it's a vining crop and it doesn't really work to get, have them go vertical. You need a little bit of space for your garden. But pumpkin is another really good one. Uh, some instant kind of satisfaction, uh, easy to grow, super quick to harvest and early season, I guess. Lettuce and spinach is is very rewarding, super easy. Cherry tomatoes, you don't really even need a garden for cherry tomatoes. You can pop them in a hanging basket. Super Sweet 100, uh, by name, it is really super sweet. So it's very easy on a, on a young palate to start to enjoy uh, tomatoes. Of course, beans and peas, whether they're bush or pole. With kids, I like to grow the pole um, the pole varieties because they just go straight up. It's kind of like Jack and the Beanstalk kind of stuff, which is really, really fun. And then really not a veggie, but something worth mentioning that you don't really even need a, a garden for. Having uh, strawberry plants in a hanging basket is also very easy. And rounding out my top ones, again, not really a veggie, but super easy to to um, to grow and then to harvest the seeds. Um, all the sunflowers. Doesn't matter whether it's the giant sunflowers, um, and the, then the way they kind of fought, their heads follow the sun and and nod down. That's really really cool as well. So, um, take it from me. Um, I'm old. 
but any any time that you can get your kids involved in gardening, I think it's just a lot more it's a lot more heartfelt. It's a great um, activity that the whole family can do together. You can follow the seasons, and most importantly, uh, plant what you like to eat. Um, if you want to get adventurous, you can get into you know creating like a pizza garden, um, all those sorts of fun things. But um, a great family activity, great bonding experience, and most importantly, your kids will love it. Okay, I wanted to also we're kind of getting towards the kind of the tail end, the the teeth of of winter. Um, some tips to keep your house plants kind of kind of we got to get them over the finish line, right? We have to get them over the finish line. So here's my top tips for keeping your house plants kind of healthy. You know, it's kind of it's not too much longer till we can get them outside and give them some fresh air and you know a good soaking rain that does house plants the world of good. Um, but some of the things that I like to do, or the tips that I like to uh, to deploy, are really really simple. These are kind of simple easy things that you can do. You don't need, you know, setups or fertilizer or a lot of fancy tools. Um, but the number one thing that you can do for your plants is rotate them. You'll find that plants will naturally kind of lean towards the light or get leggy or start to stretch, I guess. So if you just rotate your plants once a week, um, once every two weeks, about 180 degrees, and let them cycle that way, or keep turning them throughout the winter season, you'll find that your plants end up being, uh, well, they look better. Um, they're not stretching and leaning, but they grow a lot more evenly. And when they grow more evenly, they'll actually be sturdier plants. Sturdier plants will um, be less susceptible to disease and fungus. So rotate your plants. The next one, um, for the most part, most of our homes are super, super dry uh, when it comes to humidity in the winter with, with the furnace running all the time. So in any, anything that you can do to increase humidity around your plants is beneficial. And uh, again, you don't need fancy setups or a, you know, a humidifier or anything like that, although they definitely help. Um, if you have a grouping of plants or multiple plants, every now and then group them together. They, they, they'll actually maintain, they'll actually create their own little humidity, um, little, little uh, bubble when you group them together, you don't have to have them crowded, but group them together, that increases humidity. Also, just a, a simple mist bottle once a week, misting your your plants is not to the point of being wet or drippy, but just misting them is super beneficial, particularly with those plants that are from very tropical areas around the equator, uh, any of your ferns, they're high humidity plants. Also, give them a vacation in your bathroom. You know, when you're taking a shower and all that steam, that is just a great humidity chamber for your houseplants. So if you want to send your houseplants on vacation, give them a break, give them a holiday, put them in the bathroom. They love it. They absolutely love it. Then the other thing that you can do is create a little humidity tray. Super easy to do. Just a, a dish or a saucer. Put some rocks or some stones in the bottom. And then just fill that up with water. It's not so the stones are submerged, so the water is below the level of the stones and then you can just set your house plants right on that little shallow dish and that water as it evaporates with your, with your with our furnaces running that natural evaporation will also cause some humidity the next thing the easy the next easiest thing you can do to keep your plants healthy is keep the leaves clean you um 
I'm not a big duster. I'm not big on housekeeping. But every now and then, your appliances or your TV gets to the point where, oh my gosh, crikey, that's a lot of dust on my TV. I think I better dust it. When doesn't matter whether you're cleaning every other day if you're one of those people or you're cleaning every six months. And I'm not that person. But whenever you feel the urge to dust, make sure that you dust uh, or you wipe your houseplant leaves clean. And you can do that just with a damp cloth. There's special little houseplant wipes that you can buy that's kind of like uh, baby wipes. However you do it, just wipe the wipe the leaves because dust, just like on your appliances where you see dust super easy, uh, dust, dust does collect into the pores of the plant and cause, starts to cause all sorts of health issues. So keeping your leaves clean is really, really beneficial. Of course, watering properly, Probably the age, that's probably like the number one gardening question, right? Actually, I got a, actually, we have a question that's almost like the number two gardening question, but uh, properly watering, get to know your plants. There's nothing that we can uh, solve on this podcast. I could do a whole podcast about watering. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but get to know your plants. Generally, I'm watering my house plants, and I got an average home. I got plants in light, low light. Um, I'm watering mine about once a week or once every week and a half, thereabouts, and uh, letting them completely drain um, and then kind of taking them out of their decorative pots, letting the air circulate around a little bit, and then popping them back. So once every week and a half, you're not going to get into too many problems. I almost err on letting them dry out a little bit in between waterings than having them all winter long kind of moist because that can cause fungal problems as well. And then um, lastly, my fifth tip is if you do have uh, some pruning to do or you got dead leaves, go ahead, get out the kitchen shears or scissors and go ahead and prune them. No harm, no harm in that at all. So that's my essential pro tips for keeping your houseplants healthy uh, through this last stretch of winter. So something kind of exciting is happening in the plant industry. Um, nothing that you probably haven't heard of in probably the last 10 years, but there is a brand new hydrangea on the market. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Dale, literally, there is a brand new hydrangea on the market every year. This if you were to say that to me, I would say, yes, you're absolutely right. The number one flowering shrub right now across the country, doesn't matter where you live, is a hydrangea. It's taking the gardening world by storm. If you think back, um, boy, when was it? It's been years now, but Bailey Nurseries introduced Endless Summer um, back in the day. And that plant literally started this hydrangea breeding revolution. So... Back in January at our local, in, in Minnesota, we have what's called uh, the Minnesota Green Expo um, through the uh, Minnesota Nursery and Landscape Association. It's an industry-only kind of get-together, you know, education, yada, yada. So Bailey Nurseries introduced or showed their very, their very brand new, um, and it's part of the Endless Summer family, their brand new hydrangea. The, the name of it is... Um, Pops, uh, Popstar, Popstar hydrangea. So, I saw it in I saw it in Minneapolis back in January, and th that was the first time anybody or the industry nationally saw that plant. 
it is it is absolutely stunning. It's it's a real purple. It's almost like a like a Minnesota Vikings purple, but uh, very intense. Uh, I'll get into some of its other attributes here attributes here in a sec. But I was at um, one of the home shows here at the convention center um, just this morning, and Bailey Nurseries has a booth, and they have this pop star thing everywhere. And what was the only thing that was better seeing it back in January was seeing it in mass this morning. Um, it is a fantastic plant. Now, here's the thing with Popstar. It is that Bailey Nurseries is telling us that this plant not only stays compact, which is which is great. It is almost a guaranteed bloom and it's it's a it's it's going to survive a Minnesota winter. I know there's a there's a lot of you out there that have tried to grow endless summer or a variation of endless summer and have had mixed success or no success at all. If you are one of those people, I would encourage you to give um, Popstar a try. Again, it's it was released just this just this winter, just this year. And uh, Bailey Nurseries has a breeding arm, or their breeding arm of the company is called Bailey Innovations. They're the ones that are bringing it to you. They're going to license it to a bunch of growers all over the country, probably all over the world. So uh, wherever you're listening, uh, keep an eye out for this brand new introduction for 2023. Uh, they've been working on it for quite a while. It, it takes a little bit of time to get uh, these plants to market and licensed and, and whatever. So keep an eye out at your favorite local garden shop for Popstar. It's part of the Endless Summer Hydrangea Collection. I know there's a new hydrangea out every year, but trust me, this one will be a little ripper. All right, so uh, we've got a little bit of time for some, some questions. And if you have a question for me, it's easy to do on the Instagram, Dale K Garden Guy. Um, super easy to find, Dale K Garden Guy. On Instagram, direct message me, leave me your question right there. So there's, I mentioned it's like the number two, like gardening question or thereabouts. And the the question is, uh, and this was from where is where is my note here? It's from Paula in Lansing, Michigan. G'day, Paula. Where can I find good inspiration for landscape design, or where can I find landscape design inspiration? So I I pondered this question. I'm just like, well, actually, that's kind of a really good question. Where where do you how do you get inspired, or where do you find good gardening inspiration? So here's here's my here's and I like being nosy. I like taking walks in the neighborhood and looking at people's gardens. But without being too nosy and jumping fences, um, uh, in your area, there's probably home tours. For sure, there's garden tours. So any of the home tours, uh, here we have a local one called Pareto Homes. Um, that, that might be a national thing. I'm not even sure. Uh, any of the garden tours um, that uh, different gardening groups put on is an excellent way to find garden inspiration. Also, um, take a trip to your local botanic garden here in the Twin Cities. We have a fabulous, well-renowned um, arboretum out in Chanhassen, Minnesota. If you're ever in in the area, check that out. It's the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Landscape Arboretum in Chanhassen, Minnesota. Great place to find uh, garden inspiration and landscape design inspiration. They have some some lovely gardens that you can stroll through. And then lastly, the, the next best place I find where you can find some good 
um, good ideas, apart from being on Pinterest. Yeah, we all know about that. But webs- um, companies that do design build, so they design you, they're kind of like from start to finish um, company, but any any landscape, um, any landscaper that has the words design build in it, on their websites, they usually have really good photos of work that's been completed or testimonials that have been completed. And that is another excellent resource for for gardening, uh, for landscape design. Okay, last but not least, Clara, uh, she listens to the cast. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody listening to the podcast. She, I, I lost her in the weeds on this USDA plant hardiness zone map last week. So just to clarify, the the USDA plant plant hardiness zone map is a standard, and again, it's put out by the United States Department of Agriculture. It's a it's a standard by which gardeners and growers can determine which plants are most likely to thrive at the location you're at, and this is based off of um, an annual minimum winter temperature. And it's split out. the The map is it's kind of com- I shouldn't say it's complex, but it's got a lot of different zones in it, and that's because it's divided into ten degree Fahrenheit zones. So, in southern Minnesota, is going to be completely different than central Minnesota compared to northern Minnesota, and that's going to be kind of like where you are. So, uh, I've I've put a link down in the in the description. So if you want to check out uh, the USDA's plant hardiness zone map, you can find out what zone you're in. And then when you go plant shopping on plant tags, it'll say hardy to zone three, which is super, super hardy. Hardy to zone five, hardy to zone seven. So that's where you know this plant that you're looking at will survive the winter. So Clara, I hope that clarifies what, the plant hardiness zone map is. I'm sure I'll give you an update if she if she texts me and says Dale, not nah, you still didn't get it done. Um, I will try just one more time. But there there uh, that that was a good question, and I appreciate all your questions. Again, you can send them to Dale K Garden Guy on Instagram. We can connect there. And with that, we're going to wrap it up for this week. Had a great time uh, chatting. Um, we look forward to next week's podcast and until then um don't worry it won't be long we'll be out in the garden dale k's big backyard is a production of big backyard media it's co-produced by me dale k and chip Almquist. i'd love to hear from you and answer all your questions you can reach me at my big backyard with dale k at gmail.com and i'll try to answer all your questions right here each week also follow me dale k garden guy on instagram thanks for joining me here on dale k's big backyard and we will see you right here next week